four, three, two, one, zero, and liftoff. Dispatches, a production of Blur Bank, is an in-depth look at those living artistic lives. Each episode will feature photographs and audio interviews with narrative pioneers who have taken creativity and publishing in their own hands. From artists to authors, photographers to philosophers, Dispatches will reveal the faces and foundations of those who lead the creative way. Hey everybody, this is Dan, and I'm recording today from my living room, actually, which is which is pretty rare, and I'm here with photographer Joe Busink. Joe, how you doing today? Hi, I'm pretty good, Dan. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm amazed because for those of you on this who listen to this who aren't from California, you, it's it's hard to understand that how rare it is for anyone from L.A. to actually come, not only to Orange <laughs> County, but to, but to my house. Um, <laughs> And because people in OC don't go to LA and, and vice, vice versa, versa for the yeah. most part. So what, what are you doing in Orange County? I'm actually going to the Canon Learning Center and seeing a friend of ours uh, speak. I'm here with Keats Elliott and, and we're taking in uh, Robert, Roberto Valenzuela who's speaking at the Canon Learning Center. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so I just want to give a, a brief background about how I found out about you and how I came to weddings a long time ago. So mm. I was working for Kodak in the late 90s. Yeah. And I knew that Kodak was not something that was going to last <laughs> as, as a career. And I was taking a Santa Fe workshop with Chris, uh, Chris Rainier, and there was a woman in the class named Phyllis Lane. Oh, yeah. Good old Phyllis. And so we started talking, and Phyllis looked at some of the photographs that I had, and she said, you know, you could be shooting weddings. And I remember the first thought I had, because I went to photojournalism school, mm -hmm. which I graduated in 92, so 98, I'm working for Kodak. And... In school, wedding photography was not something that anyone talked about. And this I remember the first thought I had was in the movie Stripes with Bill Murray. Yeah. The guys get into trouble, and they come back to the base, and the base commander's chewing them out. And one of the guys has a T-shirt on that says, Death Before Disco. <laughs> yeah. and, and I remember thinking, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to do that, like wedding photography. And Phyllis said, you know, you can shoot exactly the way that you shoot now with the equipment you use now. In the same exact thing you're doing, except people will pay you to sort of look at them as a documentary project. And I was like, there's, there's no way that that would ever happen. And she said, <laughs> have you ever heard of this guy named Joe Busick? And then I looked at your website and I was like, oh, like here's a guy that has the talent to shoot anything who's doing weddings. And he is doing like this real moment, real life stuff. Yeah. And so how, you started weddings in mid-90s? 95. And yeah. how and why did you end up there? <clears throat> it's a really interesting story. I, I, I was uh, working on my PhD in psychology and, and uh, had three part-time gigs to so kind of support me going through school. I was a, uh, a TA, teach, uh, teacher's assistant, a, a PA. Per, you know, so I did research assisting, uh, teaching assisting, and I worked in a photo lab. Okay. And so this is before I even picked up a camera. I decided, you know, I got to do something. So these guys taught me. It was Richard Photo in L.A. And oh, they, yeah. they taught me how to process black and white, uh, <laughs> ectochrome. You know, I, I did all of it. Yeah, color film, the C41 stuff. And then I printed Cebus. I printed Type R, Type C, black and white stuff. And, and then one day I decided, you know what, let's see what this is like on the other side. And let me grab a camera. And I happened to have taken a shot of my son who's now 22, he was two at the time, and um, he was nursing on his mother. Okay. And I, ha I came home from, from school and I saw that out of the corner of my eye and I instinctively grabbed my little camera and I grabbed the shot and then I next day I went to the lab, I processed the film, I made a print and I went, 
oh, <laughs> I, I want to do this. It's over. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. want to do this. Forget PhD in psychology. This is what I want to do. So my f- next door neighbor, who happens to be the photo editor of the LA Weekly, said, you know, before you decide to do that and try and make a living off it, you want to maybe check it out, like, uh, if you can really do this or not. If you want to be a stringer, come on over to the LA Weekly, and I got some people on the Times that maybe you can, you know, plug along and see if you'd like to do some of these and send you on assignments. So, of course, I got South Central several times. Lovely. Uh, white boy with lots of gear on his neck and, and gang-banging <laughs> turf, and, and it was very interesting. I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it, and I said, you know what? How do I make a living with this? Because getting $100 to get something published once a week, twice a week, wasn't going to cut it as yeah. a photojournalist. So I thought, my gosh, I just came from two friends' weddings, and both times I left saying, wish I had a camera. Because I'm sure the person they hired was good at what they were doing. They spent two, three hours shooting formals, yep. and they missed the entire story that unfolded behind them. And I said, that's what ought to be shot. So I set out to do this thing that everybody said, you, you, you're not going to make it. You're a flash in the pan. This, you will not survive this industry. And that was 20 years ago. Well, the industry is... is there's a lot of tradition, not just yeah. in wedding photography, but in photography in general. I think yeah. that's one of the things that, that sort of, I think we should appreciate the tradition, but then Absolutely. not be beholden to it. That's correct. Um, but when you, you've done this for a long time now, when you're in the middle of doing one of these weddings, and I'm asking this because I, I shot weddings for a few years, yeah. and I always had a dialogue running in my head. Even if I was talking to someone else at the wedding, <laughs> I kind of felt like it was the split for personality day where... You were pretending to be this one entity, yeah. but inside I was having a very different dialogue. Do you do that with yourself, and what is that internal dialogue? So so one of the things that I'm still practicing, and I will forever practice this, and I'll never get it 100%, is to stop the noise and stop the voices of, you know, the <laughs> ongoing dialogue of the committee in my head. Yeah. Um, because I think for me, in order for me to, to be in the moment, I have to let go of that stuff. And, and in part, it's also why I don't come with a shot list in my head or I peruse the venue a day or two before to see where the light's at because that all just jacks me up, right? So my, what I endeavor to do is to be mindless as much as possible when I hit the wedding so that I'm open to the moments that, that unfold in front of me and become part of those moments. So... Yeah, the dialogue does exist. Like, okay, so what's what's going to be next? What was it that when in the interview did they say? You know, I mean, this whole bunch of crap comes oh, out, yeah. and it's just like nonstop, right? So it's silencing the noises and the voices that that is a trick, and that's what I practice doing constantly at every gig. So one of the things that I think is deceiving about weddings is that people look, especially if you're charging a decent amount for weddings, people look and they think, oh, that's amazing. You're making X amount of money for this day. Yeah. And I always say to them, it's not just the day. Because the right. second that you get involved, yeah. you, you are married to them in some weird oh, way. Yeah. About, and they're going to come to you up over and <laughs> over, over again over. before the wedding and yeah. say, what do I do? What do I do? Yeah. And people always say, well, what do you tell them? And I say, look. I'm going to stack the deck in my favor. I'm going to tell them to do everything that makes my life easier, easier. and I tell them that. Yeah. So, and, and then you've not only after the day of the wedding, then you have the subsequent stuff. So yeah. how much control do you like to have when you're, when you're working in that situation? If someone says to you, hey, you know, what do you think we should do? Are you, is that a common thing for you? And it, you- it is, it is. So one of the, I think probably the most, uh, the question that's asked most of me is like the, the seeing each other beforehand or not. 
Mm-hmm. Do, do I do do I wait till I walk down the aisle for him to see me for the first time, or is is there a reason that you guys like these seeing before? I said, yes, and the reason's <laughs> for me. Yeah, exactly, son. <laughs> here's why, and I will explain it to him and still leave it up to them to make their choices. But but I, I'm very clear about you know. Listen, the other thing is like keep your list of the perfunctory formals that you think you have in your head that you might need to a very short list because if you want me to shoot in the style that I shoot in, I need the freedom to capture moments and not be stuck doing an hour, two hours of posing. So think about that. So if if you come to me with a list of three pages and there's 150 formals that are set up there, I'm probably not the right person for you. And I will yeah. say that. I will yeah. say, you know, so just keep that in mind. It's, it's immediate family, some extended family stuff, bridal party, we're done. You know, 20 minutes and we're, we're out of here, half hour tops. Um, but yeah, it's, so I suggest things to them. That sounds exactly like what I would say. <laughs> yeah. They would say the ceremony's at seven and I would say, no, 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 the ceremony's at five <laughs> yeah. because the sun's going to be behind That's the mountain right. and I need two hours <laughs> yes. of good light. That's right. And they'd be like, oh, well, the wedding planner. And I'm like, yeah, but yeah, the wedding planner is not, not a shooting. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. No, and I do say that about light, too. It's just, you know, please keep in mind, because if you're telling me that you have to do this because you're Jewish, and I get that, that it has to be sundown. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's, I totally understand it, but also realize that maybe that we should back up a couple hours or an hour for me to do the stuff yeah. that you're expecting me to do after the ceremony, which ain't going to happen with a flash on camera. Yeah. Or it's not going to be pretty anyway. One of the things that's interesting about weddings is, is uh, and especially coming from the documentary world, where you're in the field and you're looking for stuff where you're looking for emotion and reality, but it's so rare that it ever happens. Like as a documentary person, if over the course of a year, if I make a couple of images that you go, holy shit, that's it, that, that worked, shot, yeah. you're lucky. Yeah. But with a wedding, you're getting real emotion, and yeah. you're getting it for about a 12-hour span. Yeah. It's yeah. a pretty remarkable thing. Yeah. Is there any particular detail of the day, that any time frame of the day, that you said, that's, that's my sweet spot, that's what I love to see the most? And I do believe it is the, the bride walking down the aisle, or if it's set up prior to that, them seeing each other for the first time, because I have a hand in it. So at that point, it's no longer PJ, right? But I, I set it up, and I stirred a pot, and thank God for a little bit of psychology background. So I have an idea of how to move him around a little bit, so that when he does turn around, it's like an OMG moment, which is what she's expecting anyway. So And, and I, I prepped that up way beforehand, and I joke about it a lot. I said, look, you know, it's it's your ass if you don't respond that way, pal. Yeah, so, definitely. You know, so please uh, help me out with this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's. I try to stay open to the stuff that happens, and I find a lot of the time my good stuff happens when the bride's getting dressed and getting ready. She's in there with her girls, with her parents, and she's starting to feel emotional about all that stuff. So that stuff's all real stuff, man. It's it's a great stuff. And I, I so I come with an, a, another shooter. I'm the so I'm actually the second shooter on all my gigs. So I, I hire a primary shooter. Mm-hmm. That primary shooter is always with the groom because clearly. They really don't care that much about the photos. <laughs> <laughs> Often I will come to the groom and he's, he's, he opens the door and he's in his shorts and <coughs> excuse me, he's got a beer in his hand and football games going on. Yeah. And he says, come back in an hour, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and the bride's different. Oh, yeah. So I'm always with the bride and the primary shooter's always with the groom. And I am always seeing these amazing, amazing little moments, little vignettes here and there between mom and her and her best friend and her, it's, it's beautiful stuff. And I just, part of the wallpaper, you know? What's interesting to me about how and, and why you came to weddings is, is different. A lot of people, so in 99 is when I shot my first wedding. Yeah. And I basically, I was, I'd worked for Kodak 
I met Phyllis. Phyllis told me about weddings. I, I thought, oh, I'll give this a try. Left Kodak, went and started doing weddings, booked the first job. And I caught a lot of flack from people in the industry that knew me and said, what are you doing, doing weddings? And so I had, I'd come to weddings from kind of a, a bewilderment yeah. angle and, and, and I was fighting it. Like yeah. I, I was not, a, but you came from, with this idea, like this is a, yeah. this is something I really yeah. love, really yeah. enjoy, yeah. which is, which is an interesting angle because I think over the following sub, the subsequent, maybe five or 10 years of me doing that, there were a lot suddenly, this was at the beginning of sort of the wedding bubble. Yep. There were a lot of <laughs> photographers that, that a year before had been sort of spoofing me right. had come a year later and said, help me. Yeah. When you do weddings now, after doing them for all these years, is there fear? Is there pressure? Is there fun? What's the primary driving force? If I book you to do a wedding tomorrow and you, and you show up at the Parker in Palm Springs to right. do the wedding, what are you feeling? I'm feeling the potential, the possibilities of all the moments that I haven't seen before. Because this is a, a different wedding, different players, different venue. There's so many opportunities for me, again, to be in moments. And Let's go back a step in that what drives me to be in these moments has a lot to do with me, who I am as a person and what happened to me as a child and, and all the things that were you know, negative in my life when I was growing up. I'm actually uh, in a wedding now and, and, and helping somehow um, saving the little boy in me that's still there. And, and some of these things resonate with me, and most of it is emotional. So I'm driven to emotion for the purpose of, you know, for that purpose. It's, this, it, it's something that's within me. And so that's why I'm always excited, like, what emotion am I going to see today? And, and how, you know, will that relate to me in my world? Because for me, there was always a little bit of fear. And it wasn't fear of missing the moment. Yeah. And I was shooting with like a Hasselblad yeah. and, you know, one back. Yeah. And people, I remember being on a panel in Las <laughs> Vegas and there was a young photographer who sat next to me and she goes, you're the most unprofessional photographer I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> because I didn't have a second shooter and I was using like an eight a camera that shot 12 frames total yeah. on oh, a roll. I know. And I was like, yeah, but I kind of have it figured out. I was kind of fearful of not not expectations, but like... I don't know, of maybe not engaging in the way that people thought. Is there, is there any fear for you on these jobs yeah. that's a motivating fear? It's nothing. It's, Zero. It's positive. Zero. Because the way I pitch my work also is, is what determines whether or not I need to worry, uh, simply because by the time they book me, based on the way I pitch myself and yeah. my work, um, we're on the same page. We're reading the same book. So I don't have to think about what their needs are anymore. You know, So there is no fear. They, they tell me, basically, what we saw in your portfolio yeah. is what we want from you. And so you're just so free to I'm do just, what you I'm want. I'm free to do what yeah. I want. And, and, and again, as a second shooter, it's easier. And especially, you know, I mean, if the primary is handling all the Aunt Harriet's and Uncle Bob's oh, no, of the that's, world. Because I, like, I don't like doing that. I don't either. So yeah. I'm out of the loop. And so when they look at me walking around the gig, it's literally that's, that's, that's the, you know. Yeah, the don't, lowly second shooter guy don't over pay there, so don't pay him. attention to him. So Harriet might say to Bob, you know, at the reception, and they're both drunk, and say, Bob, get the photographer over there to come to take a picture of me. And he'll drift towards me because I was the closest one, and Harriet right. said, no, 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 the other one, the real one. You know, <laughs> say, yeah, go to the other one, man. That's smart. Yeah, that, no, that's, it's, it's been brilliant. I mean, yeah. it, I've been doing it a few years now, and I just thought, uh, what took me so long to get to this place to make myself the second shooter? Because I've been saying it to myself for a while prior to that. 
Well, that leads me to my next question, which is kind of a which is kind of a slippery question here yeah. because the question is what role does the industry play in what you do? And but let's before you answer yeah, that, yeah, yeah. if you go back to '95 yeah. and you look at the industry at that point, and yeah. then you fast forward to say 2001 or two, you yeah. are talking a completely different thing. You have yeah, the birth absolutely. of the birth of digital, digital. Yeah. and you have the rise of the sort of social media photographer yeah. phenomenon. These yeah. guys that popped up, that the rock really stars. Yeah, they didn't really have yeah. a background or an education in photography, and they but they knew how to sell and they knew how to create like yeah. a a persona that booked people in the yeah. wedding world. And those guys influenced an entire generation of people, and they're, and they're still out there today, and yeah. there's a, now there's a subsequent generation. But, and it's hard when you're in the middle of that to not be influenced by what the industry is doing. Yeah. But internally, if you are not someone who jives with where the industry is going, and I'm, I, was, I never was, yeah. how, does it affect, how did it affect you in 2001, and how does it affect you today? Well, so all these changes, um, you know, I, I, I was questioned I mean, it was crazy how many people came out of the woodwork, all the people that knew me and said, what do you mean you're still shooting film? We're, we're digital now, dude. I mean, what's wrong with you? And I said, well, so here's what I'm thinking. I, I never want to be like everybody else. My whole thing is, and what I pitch and sell, is how am I different from everybody else? So at the end of the day, I would tell them, if everybody in the world has gone digital and I'm the only schmuck left on this planet that's shooting film, who do you think is different? I mean, irrespective of, of the images that we all capture, I'm selling myself as someone that's different, that's not like mainstream. So I know that the industry was pushing for digital, and I'm a Canon Explorer of Light, so I'm part of that industry. Yeah. You know, so I'm in the mix <laughs> there. And, you know, they have asked me a couple of times, why are you, are you still shooting film? I said, well, does it matter if I shoot Canon cameras and shooting film? Yeah. <laughs> no, apparently not. So <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it definitely shoves you in the face. And social media was another area where I had a hard time dealing with it because it's, it's not my cup of tea. Yeah. It's to get up there and, you know, uh, drive traffic towards me. It's, it's, it, someone said it succinctly once, uh, an ex-bride of mine. Uh, she's actually uh, the girlfriend of the governor of New York, and she's divorced now. It's, it's been 10 years since I saw her wedding, but I was shooting his uh, inauguration when he was first elected, uh, Governor Cuomo. And uh, she said to his daughter, this is Joe Busink, you won't know Joe Busink unless you're in the know, <laughs> because you won't find him on the internet. You know, it's going to be hard to find this guy because no yeah. one talks about him and he's just kind of low-key, but you have to be in the know. And I kind of like that. And it, it's, it is how people find me. I don't have business cards. I've never had business cards. You know, it's it's word of mouth. Yeah. It's very, an old very way of doing it, but it's low-key. Yeah. I think I think what I what I like, and I think now we've gone down this rabbit hole of social media. And I look at photography and photographers, and it just I'm bewildered by the whole thing. But I like people who, when you see them or they're or they're asking for your attention, you know that they have something valid. Yeah. That they're not crying wolf all day long every day. That when you see, oh, it's like, oh, you know, Salgado has a new project, yeah. and you go, oh, well, wow. okay, that was yeah. probably ten years of work, yeah. Yeah. and there's probably an exhibition schedule, museums, yeah. a book deal, a movie. It's like, okay, I'm going to pay attention. Yeah. So my second part of that question is, social media has changed everybody's idea of attention, right? And you're making pictures with a goal of making something that's going to not only survive for fifty or hundred 
150 years, but it's going to look good in 150 years. And But we're dealing with a culture who's concerned about right now yeah. and about, oh, can you put this on Facebook for yeah. me? Can you do that? How yeah. do you find the balance? Uh, it's a bit tricky. And uh, it's for me, it's about educating my client, right? So, and the way I do it is, is again, you know, I speak very softly, carry a big stick. Um, <laughs> I, I bring out prints, 11 by 14, fiber-based prints that yeah. are matted to 1620, that are signed with pencil on the mat. I mean, and I talk about them and I let them feel it and touch it because I, I think there's still something to be said about handing down these beautiful albums or these beautiful prints from your wedding to the next generation and or the generation after that even, you know. And I know that we're all hung up on, let me see it on your iPhone and the iPad, and they're flashing these things and passing them around, look what I just did. And it's here to stay. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. So I'm now of the mindset that I'm going to embrace that part of it and still do what I do and hopefully still attract people that appreciate that's what I still do. Where do you see the role of photography today compared to, let's say, 95 when you got in? Photography is a little different today than it was before. We're, we're saturated with it, but has the role of it changed? And has the role of wedding photography changed? I, I think a little. You know, what I've noticed lately is that the post-production tools are so good today that you know, oh my gosh, if I see one more print that has blue skies that I've never seen on this planet, uh, or the grass so green that I've, I don't even recognize that color green, um, it, it's, it's become graphic art, not photographic art. I, th I think we're, we're missing a step here in that we, we and, and I, I don't mind it if you call it that, you know, if you, if you have made this moment in post-production and you have managed to take four images and throw them together and call it a moment. Yeah. Call it what it really is, though it's not photojournalism. It's 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 contrived. It's made up in post, and it's it's a graphic art piece. Okay, fine, I'm cool with that. But uh, don't try and pass it off as real, or you know, uh, yeah, it's it's. And I see that happen more and more and more now, and it's getting so good it's seamless. Yeah, it's easy. I mean, in 2000, so 92, I went to, I went to graduated from photojournalism school. And I remember being in photojournalism school and making pictures and trying to figure out what the hell I was doing. Yeah. And I sort of stumbled on a style, a look that I really liked. And I started doing that. And then someone came, an outsider, a more established person, and they looked at my portfolio and they said, oh, your work reminds me of so-and-so. Yeah. And so-and-so was like, I thought was a total badass. I was like, oh my God, that's one of my heroes. Yeah. But then it, I started to worry because I thought, well, maybe subconsciously I'm like mimicking what this guy's doing. Yeah. And that was, we all had learned and we knew that that was taboo. You didn't copy. Right. And then to, about 2005 was the first time I heard a photographer say to me, oh yeah, I got, I just got into photography and I went online and I saw, I looked for who was hot and I copied their website and I copied their look and I bought the same equipment and I'm, I just copied them. Yeah. And I was like, wow, it's not, we're, we're sort of past that. Yeah. So my question is about originality. Yeah. And I think within every generation of photography, there's only a, a really a handful of people that come along that you, you look at and you can, they make immediately recognizable work. And yeah. to me, that's really the goal is yeah. to make, and you do that because you can look at work and people go, that's a Joe Busink. Yeah. How much of a conscious part of the of the thought process is that of being, I need to be original, or does it just, is it 100% natural? You do what you do because that's the way you see. Yeah, I do what I do because that's how I see and feel. So my whole thing is to always be uh, keeping in mind that I need to be honest about who I am 
and this is why I'm doing this. So if I have any notion that uh, or a thought that you know I need to be copying somebody else or and I do appreciate Brassant, Salgado. I mean, the, the names, they're endless, and I collect their work, uh, and I appreciate them, and they inspire me. Mm-hmm. But they don't inspire me to copy them. It's just what's possible. If you concentrate on what's in you and what drives you towards that moment, I, I don't want to know what drives Brassant. I, I can see it in his work. Yeah. You know, who Bersan is. And by the same token, like what you just said, is I can go into a gallery without, and I can tell you that's a Duano. I can tell you that's a Robert Frank. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you know their style. So the style is who they are. And that's all I want to do is my style is just who I am, and I'm not trying to copy anybody. I don't want to copy anybody. And so it's, it's keeping in mind that what drives me is who I am. This, this next question is a little a little out there, but I love daydreaming. I think daydreaming is gets a gets a bad rap, but I think it's pretty interesting. It's awesome. And sometimes I don't I don't daydream as much about photography as I used to. Yeah. But when I daydream about myself as a photographer, it tends to be in the journalism sort of world. There, I'm, I don't miss being a photographer, but I miss aspects of journalism of yeah. like story. Do you ever daydream about yourself or your career or your life? And if you do, and there's a photo element in there, is there some alternative version of Joe that you dream about that you maybe you've yeah. never been? Well, I I'd love to shoot for Nat Geo. <laughs> you know, I mean, crazy That's a per- as, yeah, no, it's a I'm, perfect example. Yeah, yeah I, and and I have dreamt about that, and I have thought, well, maybe once I'm done past this little stage of wedding photography, and I've had my fill of it. Maybe that's a place I go because this might be actually the ground where I practice all of this, and now I take it somewhere else. So interesting. Yeah. So I have, um, I have definitely sharpened, um, you know, my tools and my my mind and heart in in weddings because that's where it needed to be and that's where I could sharpen them. Um, but I daydream about Nat Geo. Is I, is I, there an is there a daydream assignment? That you would daydream yeah, yourself? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, again, I, I, would, I wouldn't mind going all the way in, in, into the depths of despair and hu- humanity and, and documenting. Uh, and it's been done before, so it's not... So right now what I'm doing is I'm actually documenting joy, you know, in humanity. And weddings, my gosh, uh, you know, pregnancy shoots, all these things that are, you know, births. I mean, all these things that are joyful. And an interesting thing is, is that an amazing photojournalist who recently passed away, uh, who actually took the, the photograph of uh, the Viet, Viet Cong getting shot with the handgun, was sitting next to me, and we were rolling out some of his images, and he was already sick. He had cancer. Eddie, he, Eddie, Eddie Adams. Eddie, yeah. Thank you so much. And he and I were sitting next to each other. And my images came up of a, of a dog uh, that would, it was a project that I was doing for someone who had a blind and deaf dog that wanted him set up in clothing and set up against the backdrop. But my mind was working in other, uh, you know, uh, areas of, of the universe <laughs> in terms of that project. So he ended, I ended up doing some really funny, funny stuff. And Eddie was sitting next to me. And he saw my images. And for whatever reason, he laid his head on my shoulder and he started weeping. And I said, why are you crying? He says... That's what we should be photographing more of, is joy in the world, laughter, um, not, not what I was shooting. I said, but you know, it's, it's so important what you shot, because that brings yeah. awareness. I mean, we can't let go of that either, because that's the other side of the coin of who we are. And you nailed that. And I, my God, Eddie. 
Anyway, so, but he, he reminded me that not enough of us do what I was doing, and then that's... Well, I, you know, and Eddie was a guy, the, the picture of the South Vietnamese guy shooting the, the prisoner, it was a picture that changed the war. It, it, cha- it changed it public perception. It Opinion, literally changed politics. It. it changed the all war. But he ha- there's, there's a point to what he's saying. And to me, I don't take it as this is what you shoot is what we should be shooting right. all the time. Right. But there is something about what you shoot, the kind of work that you shoot gets completely overlooked. Right. Because it's, again, it's right. I, don't, I don't know why that is exactly, but... You can shoot an amazing portrait of a 10-year-old kid that everyone looks at and goes, it's amazing. But within the photo industry, it's yeah. like, yeah, two-thirds of the photo industry is like, who cares? It's a portrait of it's a kid. kid. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, but it's actually a, a really, really good, good portrait, portrait of, of a kid. kid. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. I agree with yeah, you Yeah, and it's, it's frustrating because I think um, I love to bag on wedding photography. I just think it's fun and it drives people crazy. <laughs> and uh, But it's it, it actually requires a very specific skill set. And it what's does. interesting yeah. is a lot of the people who are legitimately bagging on it, who are making fun of it, are scared to death of it. Yeah, It's a lot harder than it looks. Oh, yeah. And to do it with an original sense and to, yeah. to be able to do it repeatedly yeah. and get fired up to do yeah. it and create new things is a really tricky, tricky thing. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, my friends that were... You know, uh, journalists uh, working the papers when I was shooting said the same thing. You're gonna do what? Yeah, <laughs> they were scared half to death. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's it's like mundane. It's the same old, same old. I said, well, yeah, it can be, if you take that attack and yeah. and that's how you want to shoot it. That's that's and that in 1995, that's what it was. A Hasselblad on tripod, a couple of umbrellas, power packs, the nine yards. Right? Yeah, that's how it was. Because back then it was more about who, not about what, when, or where. Yeah. And that's what I said. I want to bring that to me. And they laughed at me. What, with a 35 millimeter camera? Are you crazy? Yeah, that's not professional. That, that's, that's not professional. That's the second shooter. <laughs> that's the person that can't afford me. Yeah. Gets my guy with a 35 millimeter. I said, well, tell that to Bersant. Tell that to Duano. So I bring my Lycus. What's wrong with that? It was wrong. And it was laughed at. I remember going to an event somewhere, a trade show, some wedding thing. I think it was in Vegas. And I remember, and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about the industry. It was like the first thing I ever went to. And a guy got up on stage, young photographer, and he said, I shot 10,000 wedding, 10,000 images Images by myself at the last wedding. And the crowd started clapping. Yes, I remember that. And I just remember going, God, that's kind of a weird, one, it's a weird stat. How would you possibly do that? Like you'd have to shoot a frame every couple seconds. Well, frames a second. (laughs) And then, and then why would you do that? And then editing and all that yeah. stuff. But what I remembered, what popped into my head was Amy's parents, when they got married, yeah. had a photographer that came and shot 3D glass plates. Wow. And he shot a Hasselblad yeah. and then they turned those and you had, and then they come on glass plates that you slide into yep. a viewer and you and put you it up put to your hole and it's, you press yeah. a button in 3D. Right. And the guy nailed it. He nailed the, the flower toss, he nailed, and, and, you, and when you think about it, you realize there's one frame. Yeah, that's it. And he nailed it, and yeah. he probably shot a grand total of maybe 200 photographs yeah. the entire time. Yeah. And I thought, wow, we've gone from that yeah. over to this unbelievable, like, just motor every single yeah. thing you possibly can. Well, and here's the interesting thing, right? So what I endeavor to do and to practice constantly is to nail that moment, the moment between moments. And that, to me, is the perfect moment. It's that moment between moments. That just takes one frame. And um, so I, I would set out to, to shoot three, 400 images. But at the end of the day, even though all three, 400 images were friggin' ridiculously beautiful, the bride go, is, is that it? Yeah. Well, where are the rest? I said, <laughs> how many do you want in your album? 
like 100, 150, you got three, 400 right here. They're amazing. Go ahead and pick from those. Yeah, but didn't you shoot more? It's like they're looking for the value. Yeah. You know, so, and the value to them is how many images did you shoot at my wedding? That's right. 4,000 would say, okay, now, now we're talking. But 300, 400, Joe, I mean, Amy, you know, whoever yeah. you are. <laughs> yeah. Here they, you just said they're amazing. They're amazing, all three, 400, and yeah. you only have room for 100 in your book. So why do you need more? That was the first time I heard how many pictures are you going to shoot? Right. I, I knew right. that we were a- angling down this road. Yeah. And oh, when, yeah. you're sitting, when you're standing there with a the Hasselblad, you, you just kind of want to go, well, not many, right. but, you know, hopefully right. they're going to be good. And, and therein now comes the 10,000 and the clapping. Yeah. You know, yay. Because it's, it's, so what I, what I tell people whenever I teach, it's like, so I get that frame, that moment between moments, and then the spray and pray shooter, yeah. it's at eight frames a second, it's and then, oh Lord, let there be one. Um, because <laughs> he clearly isn't up to speed yet on, on, on the practice of what we used to do back in the day when we had film and we couldn't look up the back of the camera. Yeah. I kind of like not being I able love to, it. Yeah. Dude, I love it. I love not being able to see. So let's talk nuts and bolts for a minute. Three things. What are you thinking about in terms of the actual image? If, I'm, if you're taking a picture right now, are you looking at light? Are you thinking about timing? Are you thinking about composition? What are the, what are the main ingredients for you? Those, those are those the three. three for me. Those Absolutely. were my three? That's so I loaded, oh, I loaded dude, that you, question. Yeah, that was cool. Because <laughs> those are my three. It's, it's all about light or lack of light, right? So I, I'm always looking at light, and I'm always trying to interpret it. And... and you know, I know this is probably going a little off the track, but I, I will use my Canon gear in, in professional mode. I call it P mode um, because I've learned how to use that camera and shooting it in M with two fingers while in P and always being able to, you know, default to P really quickly to nail that split second moment that I see behind me. Um, I've learned how to do that and it's taken me some practice, but to understand light and people really that's the thing they don't look at is, is understanding light. Like you should be able to look at light, say that's 125th at 5.6 right now, yeah. you know, at, at 500 ASA or whatever. But that, the, that's the practice. That's what I'm looking at. And I'm looking at shadows. I'm, you know, yeah, it's, it's all of it. The composition is very important. Yeah. The rules of thirds, all of that. And people will ask me now, what the hell is a rule of third? Uh, you should learn that, you know. And how many of you here that own a Canon camera have actually read your instruction manual? Oh God, I hate instruction manuals. I can't, I can't, they're just, in, I'm so intimidated. That's why this is, this instruction manual is like four pages for my Hasselblad. Load film, aim camera, shoot. shoot. Yeah, yeah. The new, the new cameras are scary good, but um, see, I don't look at program, shooting on program as a, as a negative at all. I'm right. thinking because, and again, anyone who's ever done a wedding, it makes right. sense because yeah. you might be F8, 250 and a half outside and then yeah. all of a sudden you turn around and there's a guy in a cave behind you right right and you got to nail that and then go back 1. to the sun to it yeah one fourth of a second uh, i mean that's it exactly right that's exactly and i right. think there's a difference from shooting on p coming from complete and total lack of understanding right. of exposure and then coming to using p based on yeah i know how I to know, do exposures I, know I just know that this works for me yeah and that's the little right. little technique and there with, that's the key sentence right it it works for me. It may not work for you. It doesn't make it right or wrong. It makes it right for me. Yeah. But, you know, in, in the scheme of things, this, it, there's many ways to this path that we call success or a great image. Uh, this is just how I do it, how I find that it works best for me and how quickest. For me, it's all about speed in being part, you know, and getting that moment between moments. 
So I knew when I looked at your website today, I knew there would, there would be at least one thing on there that I would kind of go, oh, that's interesting or different. And the thing that jumped out at me was you have links to music on yeah. your site. Yeah. Why? Um, I, I came from the music industry before I became a photographer. And before my PhD work, I was actually a record company vice president. And I worked my way up through the ranks, starting with the shipping department and the pressing plant. And prior to that, even pressing the albums themselves. Sweet. Oh, yeah, rolling up my pants because I was sweating bullets. <laughs> Eight hours a day pressing, you know, pucks of vinyl on an LP, on a, on a master. And uh, that's, so the love of music I had in me already. And I hear music when I'm shooting. There's, that, so that's the one thing in my brain that I haven't been able to stop. The which, voice is, is, which is probably not a, not I mean, a, it's probably a good idea. thing. No, yeah, it's not yeah. a bad thing. So, so I've, I've kind of married the music with the slideshows. And it's very interesting because I was watching pitches that I'd done years ago when I started doing that first, where I set music to, you know, in the background as I'm talking about the images and I'm seeing tears roll down their faces. And in part, when later on when I asked, they say, well, also the music was compelling because it kind of was married to the image and I, I was totally drawn into the music with the mm -hmm. image. So yeah, it stuck. And the, and the links that, that are on there to the music, are these songs that you have helped produce or just no. songs that you like? No, this comes from Triple Scoop Music, which is royalty-free music, right? Because initially what I did was I, I would actually have to go through an attorney to get the rights oh, to yeah. the music to sure. play. So there would be two, three different licenses that I'd have to pay annually for, and it was ridiculously expensive. But it's copyrighted, right? Just uh, I'm, I'm very much a copyright guy. So yeah. uh, I believe intellectual property needs to be protected, and not just in our industry, but everywhere. So do you have any free time? I mean, is your life pretty, yeah, pretty? You no, know, I have kids. Um, yeah, no, I still have free time. I still have free time. And going back to 95, the things that you found influential, inspirational in your life and today, are yeah. there, are there, is there big changes or is it pretty similar? You know, it's, it's a, it's my children are probably my biggest inspiration and they're my biggest motivator. Uh, it's, it's, I, it's, it's been, uh, and is that, oh my God, I have to pay for college or, no, or no, I want, I really want to make okay, them partly. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> there's four of them. What, what was I thinking? Uh, but, but, but is it also because you want to show them a way of seeing the world? It's no, it's actually the world that they've shown me. Ah, okay. Two of my children were on the autism spectrum. Okay. So I have a couple of kids, both boys, one's 22, one's 10 that are on the autism spectrum. My 10-year-old, you can't tell anymore. He's totally free of it. But the things along the way that they taught me, and that's what was just mind-boggling to me. Mm -hmm. So I was in awe of that, is that, and, you know, as adults that are bigger, better than, well, I know more than you, it's, 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 uh, it's an eye-opening experience if you open yourself up to your children and what they can teach you. The damn kids. Damn it, I mean, they're right? just like endless. They're like little batteries that they we can we are. can attach ourselves to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Because they have more energy than they know what to do with. They're awesome. And, and it's just perspective because they haven't been totally soiled by our thinking yet, right? And they come up with the... <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you saying that our, our thinking is, not, is less than perfect? I, I think it is. <laughs> I think the track record... Um, Looking at the political election that's oh coming up, I'm a little, I'm a little scared. <laughs> yeah, I am too. Uh, what about books? So as a photographer, we seem to have this thing with books in our yeah. DNA that yeah. we all want one. Oh, yeah. And um, what, do you, what do you think? Do you look at photo books? All the time. All the time. And, you know, it's, it's like I said, not only do I collect the prints of these artists, Salgado, 
uh, Paul, yeah, I mean, there's so many of them. I mean, they're, the list is endless. Ruth Bernhard, you name it. I, I, I collect them all. And it's the images. And also, it's their mindset. And when they describe why they took this image, how they took this image. And when you think about it back from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, when they had Leica rangefinders with ISO 25 film and meters that often didn't work and had to guess at it, and it dead on, yeah. it's frighteningly beautiful to me. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I think about the guy, the one guy that, and I don't know who it is, I should look this up after all this time, but the guy that freaks me out or the person who shot this was the guy that did the, or the person that did the Hindenburg. Yeah. Which you think is probably four by five. Yeah. And and, yeah. It, and it bursts into flames. <laughs> flames and, and the person, catching it on the way. Yeah. He yeah. bursts in, and, and, to, and for yeah. anyone out there who doesn't know, it's probably like a, a, a sort of speed graphic looking four yeah. by five, yeah. and he's got multiple sheets of four by five that he's and banging he's off in, in the dark right. in a probably a 15 second span. Right. So I see these people today like shooting sports with the 600s and all the new technology. And I'm like, the Hindenburg guy kicked your ass yeah. 10 big times big over. Big time. And I still catch myself sometimes running out of that roll of film as the bride is walking down the aisle with her husband now. Yeah. And they're doing <laughs> high fives. And I've got a roll of film in my mouth. And I'm popping the back open and slapping that new roll in. And I'm just, boom, got you halfway down the aisle and still managed to get it off. Is very satisfying. It is very satisfying. It's very satisfying. And so what percentage of what you do now is film versus digital? You know, I, I often get asked to uh, shoot five, ten rolls and then okay. go back to digital as well. So I do now the clients instead of, you know, well, Steven Spielberg would say shoot the whole thing black and white, Jones, shoot it all, you know, on film. Uh, he can tell the difference between a, a fiber-based print that's digital and fiber-based print that's from an egg. He's amazing. But anyway, so there's just a handful of those people left that will ask me to strictly shoot the whole thing on film. Uh, that said, then there are those that say, Joe, you shoot all film and have your primary yeah. shooter shoot it all in color on digital. I uh, Fine. And then the, the, the majority of the people say five, ten rolls of black and white and then do the rest digitally. And then okay. it's my choosing which rolls go on to what. So where... Um when I run into you a few years from now, yeah. you know, and we're all super successful and we're, yeah. you know, moved on, we're in our huge houses on the hill. Yeah. What, um, what's next for you at some point in your, in your I'll, life? I'll be doing uh, a, a shoot for Nat Geo. Oh, that's right. I yeah. forgot. I know. I just, I'm not going to let you forget that. Yeah, that's, um, well. No, I'll be somewhere in the world uh, shooting a Nat Geo thing. You know, one of the editors there used to, used to read my blog. So, God, you never know. Dude, I mean. You never know. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> so cool. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. It was really fun. Thanks, uh, Dan. I love these conversations. We could do this many times oh, yeah, over, we'll I'm do. sure. And we will. And I uh, just want to say thanks. You're welcome. Thank you.